excitement, believing that you're going to have your way in this place tonight. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you and we praise you. We magnify you in this place tonight. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for, for truth going forth tonight. We thank you for your power and your presence manifesting in this place tonight. Lord, we declare and we come into agreement and we declare, show me your glory. Show us your glory. Show us your glory tonight. Manifest your glory in this place tonight. Manifest your glory here. Thank you, Father, that we would see your glory in the sanctuary. We'd see your glory. Lord, I I thank you for the power of agreement. Father, you said in your word where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of us. So I thank you, Lord, that you are here. You are here moving up and down every single row, up and down every single aisle, and we thank you that the glory of God will manifest in this place. The glory will manifest in this place. The glory is even manifesting now because two more than two or three are here, and we're in agreement with an expectation. We're expecting. We are are expecting. We are expecting. We release our faith for miracles. We release our faith for signs. We release our faith. Father, we're hungry for miracles. We're hungry for the supernatural. We're hungry. We're hungry. Hallelujah. We're hungry not to stay the same. We're hungry to go higher in revelation. We're hungry to go higher in insight. We're hungry to go higher in wisdom. We're hungry tonight. We're hungry, Father. We're hungry to step into things we've never stepped into before. We're hungry to to, to walk in things we've never walked in before. We're hungry, Father. We're hungry. We, Hallelujah, Father. We thank you, Lord, that, that we're, we're not desperate from a begging position, but Father, we're desperate knowing, Lord, that we need, we, we, we need more than where we're at right now to take us where you desire us to go. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that, that, that we are your temples. We are temples of the Holy Ghost, and I thank you that your spirit dwells on the inside of us. I thank you, Father, that, that we are those, we, we are making, preparing a, a habitation for you. I thank you as we come together, Lord, according to Ephesians. I thank you that we are a habitation. We are a habitation in this place. This is a place of habitation. This is a place, Father, of habitation. It's a place where you're, you're, you're manifesting even now. It's a place where you're moving even now. Oh, Father, I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah for your goodness manifesting in this place. I thank you for your strength. I thank you for the strength that comes from knowing you. I thank you for the, the power that comes from knowing you and walking with you. Oh, Father, I thank you that we're walking with you. We're walking with you, Lord. I thank you that, that you are moving in this service, that you're working through, through, through Dr. Roberts tonight, Look, working through our worship team tonight, working through Dr. Savelle tonight. Hallelujah, I thank you that you're working with your word. You're working with the word. You're working with the word preached. I thank you that you're working through the vessel. You're working through the vessel that's going to minister tonight. Even now as he's continuing to prepare, I thank you for insights. <clears throat> I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. I thank you for revelation. Oh, Father, I thank you, Lord, for, for another level of freedom. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Things that come out of his Spirit that, he, that he, he has never said before. I thank you that we draw on those mysteries. We draw on the mysteries. We draw on the mysteries. Hallelujah. We draw on the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, brashtele bokusa rabaya. Ibroshtele de 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 
Rebaya, E Robokoshe Rebekiando Romokota, E Rabakiando Lobosho, Brandele Nemando Robogoste, E Rabakiando Lomoso Cora, E Rabakiando Lomoso Cote Rebaya, E Romogonde Rende Lebasto, Brakete Leboste Brande, Brabacate Roboste, Brandele Rebote, Ridigiisto, Brombande Lede de Macu, O Ramande Rende Lede de Bocoste, Eramande Rendele de de Bocoshar Rabayam, Eramande Rendele de Bosto, O Ramande Rengede de de Isto Coso, O Ramande Rendele de de Bocoshar Rabayam, Brandele de Bacuto Roboso, O Ramande Rendele de Bocosho Robocosa, Eramande Lenemaso, Coramayam, Eramande Rendele Nanamaso. I thank you for unity of heart tonight. How unity of heart tonight. Oh, Father, I thank you for unity of heart. I thank you that we are of one heart. We are of one mind tonight. Oh, thank you that you are being unified even now as we pray in the Holy Ghost. Bracatele boste, brandele bacchiando lo bocosta, brandele ne mando rabaca, bratele boste, il robocote ramande. Ikorabasi, Irobokoterede, Doshtongonde Rendele de Bokushar Rabaya, Eramandelena Mando Robokushongonde Rabaya, Or Ramander Rendele Bokushte Rabaya, Or Ramander Rendele de Bokushte, Elede de Bokushe Ramaya. I thank you that the joy of the Lord will manifest. The joy of the Lord will manifest. The joy of the Lord will manifest in this place tonight. The joy of the Lord will manifest in this place tonight. The goodness of God will manifest in this place tonight. The power of God will manifest in this place tonight. Hallelujah. The presence of God is here. The presence of God is here. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is here. 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 Alla bokusha rabaya. E romokusho robokusha rabaya. E romokor rabastele de bokusha. E rabakator robokusha rabaya. Brandele ne mandor robokushte ramaya. E ramande rendele ne mokor robokushte. Zabrakatoshte le ne maya. Brakatele boshte le de 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 bokusha. E rabator romonde rebeya. E ramande Rendele bokushion gondere rabaya, zeramande rebekiando lo bokushte, bradara bokushte ramaya, nazendele makuatele de de boso, oh rabashtele de baya, oh ramandele masoko rabaya, er ramande lo bokushto rabaya, er ramande rendele bokushto ramande rebeya, iro bokushte rabaya, brandele bokushto gondere remende, dade de de gitor robogushto gondere deda. O zongonde rendele de bokushte zalana mande brada katele de bokora baya dele de bosongonde rendeda zermende le bokushto rabaya zermande rendele de bokusro oh we press in we press in we press in we press in ele bokushto ramaya ezendele de bokushte o zomomo mandele de de gitor robokutera rabaya edramande rendele bosta ele de bokushto 
Oh, we praise you. We praise you. Oh, Father, we believe we receive when we pray. We believe we receive when we pray. We believe we receive when we pray. Oh, hallelujah. We believe we receive when we pray. Hallelujah. 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 Dola maso deshtikiando lo bosta la dabaya. Ya tolro mo konder rendele bosta rabaya. Zorra mander rengena na maso rabaya. Oh, tashtele de bokoshion gonder rabaya. Yorra mandele nenikiando roboso. Orra maso gonder rabaya. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Give him praise, give him thanksgiving. Give, hallelujah, give him praise, give him thanksgiving. Give him praise, give him thanksgiving. Hallelujah, if you're believing that God is going to manifest himself in a supernatural way, give him praise, give him thanksgiving. Hallelujah, let's give him something to work with. Let's give him our faith tonight and lay hold of what God desires to do in our midst tonight. Give him praise, give him thanksgiving. Oh, hallelujah, we thank you, Father. We thank you. Father. Oh, have your way in this place, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say this after me. Father God, we receive everything you have for us tonight. We set our faith that you're going to do supernatural things in this place tonight. Show us your glory in Jesus' name. Quite often, I see that scene, quite often. I remember that. I have a desire to see that kind of thing happen in my ministry. You, you're not satisfied till you experience it again. And I say, Lord, show me more. Show me your glory. Do you not think that causes you to hunger for more of his presence, more of his power, and more of his goodness? Those who hunger and thirst shall be filled. God honors hunger. There is no devil in hell that could stop you from receiving what you have been believing for, praise God. There's an urgency for the glory of God manifesting in our generation. I want humanity set free. That's the purpose, praise God. I can't remember one thing that I've ever hungered for and pursued that God didn't make it happen. Well, why wouldn't he do it where his glory is concerned? Glory to God. Say, show us your glory, Lord. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say, show us your glory.
Jesus. Woo. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory. Say this after me. Say, I believe that my God is a God of miracles, a God of wonders. Say, I believe he's working miracles tonight in this place, in Jesus' name. Just meditate on that for a minute.
Let's pray, church. Show. 
Lift your hands one more time and bless the Lord. And as you're lifting your hands and blessing Him, say out loud, Lord, show us your glory. Say it again, Lord, show us your glory. Father, we worship you tonight. We are hungry for your power, hungry for your presence, hungry for your glory. And we're committed that from this day forward, we will not lose that hunger, will not lose our drive, our motivation for the things of God. In fact, we intend to take it up to another level in the name of Jesus. Lord, we're not satisfied any longer with just doing ministry, having church. We want encounters with you. We want your presence manifesting in everything that we do. And we give you praise and we thank you that you will accommodate us. You will not deny us, for it is your great desire to manifest your presence, to show us your glory, to display your power in the name of Jesus. And we receive it. We bless you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to God. Someone in here has been battling with an ear infection. Uh, also someone that you've had this constant ringing in your ears. I want you to come up here real quick. An ear infection, this constant ringing in your ears. Hold that, Tony. Uh, intestinal problem, stomach disorder. Come up here very quickly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship the Lord. Lord, show us your glory. Show us your glory, Lord. Sing that again. Stretch your hands out toward them. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you in advance. For showing and displaying your power under your service. And I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, be made whole, be made well. In Jesus' mighty name, show us your glory, Lord. Show us your glory. Manifest your presence and your power right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Father, for your anointing flowing, let us see and let us experience your power in this very place tonight, in the name of Jesus. Come on, sing it out. Show us your glory in the name, in the name of Jesus, in the name. Show us your glory, Lord. Show us your glory, Lord. Show us your glory, Lord. Show us your glory in the name of Jesus. Show us your glory. Manifest your power. And we give you praise. Come on, sing it out. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. 
person next to you. And if you don't know them, ask them their name. And then say, I'd like to pray for you right now that God will show you His glory. And begin to do that right now. Lay hands on them and say, God, show them your glory. Show them your glory, Lord. Each and every one of them. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now let's give him a shout of praise and thank him for doing it. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I believe he will continue to do it throughout this service tonight. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Smile real big at somebody. Shake their hands. Hug their neck. Whatever you like to do. And tell them it's great being in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Tony, would you bring me those things there? Welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here tonight. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to a great and powerful service. Brother Richard Roberts is going to be ministering as the Spirit of God is leading him. Hallelujah. And I believe it's going to be a memorable time. I want to, no, I need that out of the way, thanks. I want to share something with you real quick. How many of you remember Metal Ark Lemon? Metal Ark Lemon, in my own opinion, was the Globetrotters. And uh, I saw Metal Ark playing with the Globetrotters when I was a young boy. And uh, when it first came out on Wide World of Sports, they started covering the Globetrotters. And then he came to Shreveport, my hometown, uh, back in 1968. And uh, actually about 69, early part of 69. And I, was, uh, I still had my paint and body shop. And I had just finished repairing a man's car. And he came to pick it up. And he said, Jerry, I don't have any money to pay you. Uh, he said, but I need my car. I said, well, I'm not in the habit of people coming and getting their cars without paying me. Because I'd already been stung a few times by letting people, you know, take their car and then not paying me. And so I said, uh, uh, I'm not in the habit of doing that. He said, well, I've got two front row seats at the Hirsch Memorial Youth Center where there were big events took place for the Harlem Globetrotters tonight. I'll give you those two tickets, and then as soon as I get the money, I'll see to it that I come by and pay you. I said, give me those tickets, because <laughs> take your car, you know. And I thought it was a great opportunity to go see them live. So uh, Carolyn was expecting, I guess, Terry, and uh, my dad was out of town, and the only person I could find to go with me was my mother. So me and my mom went to see the Harlem Globetrotters. And you know the skit where they come running with the bucket and they, they throw, you know, they think you're throwing water on them? Well, they did it, and my mother got hit with the bucket full of uh, confetti, you know. And, of course, she thought it was a bucket full of water. But anyway, I fell in love with Metal Ark Lemon. I thought he was the greatest thing 
you know, since sliced bread. And uh, what, a, what a great athlete he was. And they called him the clown prince of basketball. He made everybody laugh. He brought joy to the entire arena. Now, I never dreamed that I'd ever meet the man. But years later, after I went into the ministry and, and uh, had been preaching for quite some time, I was in um, Columbia, South Carolina, and we had rented the, uh, a portion of the convention center to do our three-day meeting. And when we got into Columbia, there, the hotel we were staying in was right next door to the convention center, the Hilton Hotel. And on the marquee at the arena, it had Globetrotters tonight. And then underneath it, it said Jerry Savelle Evangelistic Association. <laughs> and I was in a much smaller room than the Globetrotters were in. And when I saw that on the marquee, I thought, I'm going to send them people a tape tonight. <laughs> I wanted to go see the Globetrotters. But I, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I wanted to. I'm just being honest with you. Don't act so holy. You know. And so uh, I went over to my meeting, and we had a great meeting. And, uh, and the Globetrotters were only going to be there that one night. So anyway, the next morning, I went in for breakfast. And uh, there was a line of people waiting for a table. So I, I stood behind this tall black gentleman, had no idea who it was. And uh, I'm just standing behind him. He had his back his, to me, and I couldn't tell who it was. And all of a sudden, I heard from the right side of the restaurant, Metal Ark. I thought, Metal Ark? There's only one Metal Ark in the world. He must be in here. And I looked, and it was Curly Neal who was trying to get Metal Ark's attention. And it turned out Metal Ark was standing right in front of me. And he turned, and, and uh, Curly was trying to get him to let him know he had a table for him. And he turned, and all in one motion, he turned and said, hello to me, and looked down, obviously, and <laughs> shook hands with me. And I was just overwhelmed to meet Metalark Lemon. And so uh, he was just going to say, hello, good to meet you, and then walk over to his table. But I wouldn't let his hand go. I said, Metalark Lemon, you have brought a lot of joy into my life over the years. And I said, and you've brought a lot of joy into masses of people all over the world. And I said, I'm praying for you, and I have been praying for you. I said, we could use a man like you in the kingdom of God. And I said, and I just want you to remember, you meet a lot of people, but I hope that you'll remember this day that there's a preacher from Texas is going to be interceding in your behalf and believing God that you would surrender your life to God because we could use you in the kingdom of God. He kept trying to pull his hand away, but I wouldn't let go of it. And so finally, he just walked over and sat down with Curly, and now I'm waiting for a table, and I noticed Metalark pointing at me, so apparently he told Curly what had just happened to him. And so then, you know, we left, and, uh, or they left, and went on to their next place to play basketball and all. And uh, so sometime later, a young girl from Hollywood who is a costume designer and Metalark had left uh, the Globetrotters and they'd started his own team called the Buccaneers. And so he went into her shop to get her to make new uniforms for his new basketball team. 
Turns out she's a born-again, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, faith-believing, a believer's convention attending, and all of my meetings I ever did in California, she was there. Her name was Heidi. She's about this tall, and she was a born-again Jewish girl. And she had this costume design shop in Hollywood. She did a lot of work for stars and musicians and all that. And so uh, she told him when he asked her to make these uniforms, she said, I will. And she gave him the price. She said, but I want you to read this book. And she handed him one of my books. And he, she said, now when you come back, I'm going to ask you questions about that book to make sure you read it. And if you can't answer the questions, I'm not giving you your merchandise until you do. <laughs> so she made sure he read the book. So anyway, uh, he came back to get the merchandise and he said, who is this guy? And she said, well, he's a friend of mine. And she said, in fact, he comes to California often. He said, I want to meet this man. And she said, well... I'll find out when he's going to be here next, and I'll take you personally to the meeting. Now, Heidi was always bringing people to our meetings when we were in California. I never knew who she was going to bring. One night, she brought the Chippendale male strippers. <laughs> she made costumes for them. Briefs. but she sewed prayer claws in them. So every time they got up to dance and strip, they had prayer claws in their briefs that they didn't even know about. And some of them were getting born again, having experiences with God. And so she brought the Chippendale male strippers to my meeting. One time she brought, uh, I think, the entire federation of bodybuilders to my meeting. There was 10,000 pounds of muscles take up the first two rows. I felt really small standing in front of them. But I never knew who Heidi was going to bring. So we were scheduled to be in Oxnard, California. I'd rented the, the auditorium there. And uh, Heidi called me and she said, I have someone I'm bringing to the meeting tonight. Would you allow me to bring him in before you went out to preach? I said, of course. I said, who is it? She said, I'm not telling you. And so when I got there, uh, we were waiting for Heidi to show up until I went out to preach. And in a little while, she walks in with Metal Ark Lemon. And so he told me how much he enjoyed this book. And, and he said, uh, uh, Heidi prayed for me. I've given my life to the Lord. I'm a Christian now. And he said, and I need a mentor. I need somebody to teach me the Bible. And I said, well, Metal Ark, this is not the first time we've met. He said, oh, really? I said, we met in Columbia, South Carolina uh, about a year ago, and I held your hand in the restaurant of the Hilton Hotel, and I wouldn't let it go, and I said, there's a preacher in Texas going to be praying, and he interrupted me. He said, you're the one. You're the one. He said, I never forgot that. And he said, isn't it amazing that God brought me back to you? And so eventually <clears throat> we had Metal Ark to move to Fort Worth, he lived in our home for a while, and I mentored him and uh, took him on meetings with me, and, and then he entered in eventually into full-time ministry, and I'm telling you, he touched lives all over, not only America, but all over the world. Because everywhere we went, particularly my generation, 
They all recognized him. Everywhere we went, they knew Metalark Lemon. He never turned anybody down. He was cordial and gracious to everybody that, that recognized him and smiled and talked with him and hugged him and took pictures with him and so forth. And uh, he became a son in the Lord to me. When Metalark had to go to the hospital for surgery for heart, he was already uh, nearly 80 years old. And uh, they called me and told me that he was, he was having heart surgery. So I went to be with him. And when I walked in, the doctor was standing over his bed and he was just uh, getting him ready for surgery. And, and uh, uh, when Metalark turned and saw me walk in, he said, Dad! And the doctor turned around and said, Dad? <laughs> he said, that's my dad. He said, he's your dad? He said, yeah, that's my dad. The doctor kept looking at me. He said, well, I can see a little resemblance. <laughs> and so I got to be with him during the heart surgery and, and uh, stayed there until he got out and, and stayed a while until he began to recover and so forth. And, uh, and we just had great times together. We had some of the most delightful, fun times I'd ever had in my life. A lot of times when we would be flying somewhere, uh, the flight attendant would recognize him. And uh, this one time flying down to Miami, uh, the flight attendant came by and she said, I know who you are. And when I get through serving these people, I want your autograph. And so she came back in a little while and had an American Airlines napkin and said, give me your autograph. So he wrote on there, God bless you, Metalark Lemon. She looked at it and said, Metalark Lemon, who's that? He said, that's me. She said, I thought you was Richard Pryor. <laughs> he said, I don't look anything like Richard Pryor. He went on and said, he's ugly. <laughs> that's what Metalark said. And so anyway, we just had fun experiences. And then we got to Miami. <clears throat> I was going to rent a car. So we're standing up at the Hearst counter, and I'm about to ask for this car I had reserved. And when the guy came out, he saw Metalark. He said, oh, my Lord. Metal Ark Lemon. I can't believe it. Oh, my Lord. It's Metal Ark Lemon. Can I shake your hand? He said, sure. And there was a guy back in an office there, heard this conversation going on. So he come running out there, and he said, oh, my gosh, Metal Ark Lemon. I can't believe it. And so they're talking and shaking hands and all. And then Metal Ark said, and this is Curly Neal, pointing to me. And he said, Curly Neal, Metal Ark Lemon and Curly Neal. I can't believe it. And then he looked at me and said, you're shorter than I thought you were. <laughs> I said, I'm the wrong color too. <laughs> but we had, we had fun like that all over the country. He was such a, a wonderful, gracious man. I was privileged to do his, his, his home going when he went home to be with the Lord. And uh, after that, in fact, the Globetrotters were there for his home going and and then they did a special uh, game in his honor. And I was able to take my grandsons, several of my grandsons out. And they honored us and took us to the ball game, put us on the front row. And, and all the skits they did, they did it with my grandsons. And it was a very special time. Well, I serve on the board of the Metal Ark Lemon Legacy Foundation. Uh, they're, they're in the makings right now 
of making a movie about his life. And uh, I told a lot of stories at his home going. And the producer that's working on the movie came over to me and said, those stories have got to be in that movie. We'd, we've never heard some of those stories. And, uh, you know, not likely I'm going to be in the movie, but they want to use the material to tell the stories. If I'm in the movie, I'll be signing autographs later, okay? <laughs> and uh, maybe I'll play Curly Neal. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I am on, uh, I'm a founding member of the Metal Ark Lemon Legacy Foundation. And one of the things that we're doing, and some of you may be interested in this, we are generating funds for basketball courts to be placed all over America, the Metal Ark Lemon Legacy Foundation basketball courts. And most of them are going to be built in the inner cities. Now, uh, not only there, but, but uh, uh, there are a lot of churches now that have their own gymnasiums and so forth or in the planning stages of building gymnasiums. And we want as many churches as would like to put in a Metal Ark Lemon Legacy Foundation basketball court uh, in, in, on their property or in their city. And so uh, there's a lot of material about all that. I don't have time to cover it all. But his book, Trust Your Next Shot, is a great book about his life story. Metalark, when he was a young man, wow. went to the movies in Wilmington, North Carolina, where he was raised. He went to the movies back when you could pay a nickel to get in and watch two movies and cartoons, you know, and he, he went to the movies and they had a, a newsreel. <clears throat> I mean, if you remember when you used to go to the movies and uh, they had a newsreel during the intermission or something and the newsreel was about the Harlem Globetrotters and when he saw that, he went home and he told his, his folks, I just found out what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a Harlem Globetrotter and the only thing he had to practice playing basketball, he took a coat hanger and wrapped it around and nailed it to a tree. And he took a uh, milk carton can, a little small uh, can, and used it as a basketball and learned to shoot basketball that way. And eventually, they gave him a tryout to become one of the Harlem Globetrotters, and he took the place of one of the former great Globetrotter, Goose Tatum, and the rest is history. Metal Ark went all over the world, played in front of kings and queens, and, and uh, just an amazing life story. And that story is in this book, and we have it out on the table. Uh, I'm taking these books uh, on our meetings uh, to generate income, to go toward these basketball courts, here is a, a lithograph showing his life story as a globetrotter. And uh, Metalark was able to autograph all of these before he went home to be with the Lord. And so his autograph is on there. And you can find out more about it. They're on the table back there. And uh, there's a packet if you're interested or you know somebody, some businessmen in your city that might be interested in sponsoring one of these Metalark Lemon Legacy foundation basketball courts there's material back there where you can get it to us and uh, we want to we want to place these particularly in the inner cities metal heart 
was working with inner city kids. I went with him on several occasions, and they, they followed him like a Pied Piper. I remember one time in Anaheim, California, and I'll move on after this. In Anaheim, California, uh, Metalark wanted to go and shoot some baskets. He said, let's go shoot some baskets. I said, I'll tell you what. You shoot baskets, and I'll watch. <laughs> so we went to this gym, and Metalark's out there doing all these fancy things, you know, and, and uh, there was... Uh, about eight young black boys came up with basketballs and they're standing there watching him. Now they were so young, they had no clue who he was. And they walked up to me and said, Mr. Who is that man? I said, have you ever heard of the Harlem Globetrotters? Yeah. I said, well, there was a time when that man was the Harlem Globetrotters. He's one of the most well-known Harlem Globetrotters in the history of their organization. I said, that is Metal Ark Lemon. Metalark Lemon, they didn't know who he was. I said, and do you know what his most famous shot was? No. I said, half-court hook shot. No way. I said, Metalark, they don't believe you can do a half-court hook shot. He made 10 out of 12. <laughs> <laughs> and their eyes were wide open, their mouths dropped, and he got to minister to every one of them, praise God. Amen. Uh, he would go around to different churches that gave him invitations to come, and he'd get all the kids uh, up on the front, and they'd play Sweet Georgia Brown, and he'd do some of the skits that they used to do, uh, you know, in preparation when the Globetrotters came out to play. In fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the Globetrotters are playing either tonight or tomorrow night or here somewhere uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And uh, if I hadn't had this meeting, I was invited to... <laughs> come over there and be with them. Maybe I'll send you a tape. <laughs> no, no. But anyway, I wanted to share that with you. Uh, recently, I was in a church, and, and someone asked me about uh, what's going on with Metal Ark's life story and all that, and I told them about it. And uh, so I know that some of you may be interested in that. So go back to the table. Richard, that works with us, is back there, and he can help answer the questions and and uh, I'd love for you to be a part of that. Praise God. Amen. Is that okay with you? Yeah. All right. Praise the Lord. Are you ready? Yeah. No, are you ready? Yeah. Ready to receive? Yeah. Somebody say, Lord, Lord. Anoint, Richard anoint Richard tonight to bring us the word, us the word. And, to flow with your Holy Spirit. and Lord, Lord. Show, us show us your glory. Let's welcome Richard Roberts. Amen. You're sending a tape. I'm going with you. Okay. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What time's that game start, Jerry? Uh, <laughs> what time's that game start? Uh, as soon as you get through. All right, Rocky. <laughs> Praise God. Is that the rain? Isn't that wonderful? to have rain in Texas? <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get your Bibles out. Uh, I don't care where you turn. Just, just get them out. <laughs> Always wanted to say that. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about that story, Jerry, that you told about that offering in Cuba. And... Uh, 
uh, reminded me that uh, last week I had the same thing happen. Um, I had ministered in the, in the third service on seed faith. The first service was uh, in, in each of these pastors' conferences was was healing, and then the Holy Spirit, and then seed faith. And uh, by the way, someone who has pain in your left shoulder, you're being healed right now. Whoever you are, if you'll stand and begin to move your shoulder, you're going to find the pain is leaving you now. Whoever you are, just stand up. You're going to find the pain leaving your shoulder now. Hallelujah. Somebody give praise to the Lord. After I preached, um, I didn't give anybody any notice, but I said, let's, let's uh, sow an offering unto the Lord. And uh, uh, it was the same kind of situation. These pastors are are very, very, very extremely low income. And uh, to, to, to everyone's amazement, they gave an offering of 50,000 rupees, which is about a little under $700. And that for, for them, that's a tremendous, tremendous offering. And I did the same thing you did. I sowed it back into the leadership of those pastors. And they were flabbergasted. Uh, I heard the story about these two men who were uh, flying their single-engine plane out over the ocean when they developed engine trouble. And they had to make a crash landing on a little remote, deserted island. Uh, they lived, but the plane was about demolished. And one said to the other, um, there's no fresh water on this island, uh, we're gonna die. And the other one said, no, we're not gonna die. I make $200,000 a month. <coughs> and we're not gonna die. He said, well, you don't understand. There's no fresh water, there, there's no food. I've looked around, there's no fruit, there's no meat, there are no animals, there's nothing to eat. There's no water, there's no, uh, there's no food, we're, we're gonna die. He said, no, we're not gonna die. I make $200,000 a month, and we're not gonna die. He said, you don't understand. There's no fresh water, we can't drink the salt water. There's no food. We're off the shipping lanes, we're out of the flight paths, no one's going to find us. We're going to die. He said, we're not going to die. I'm a Christian. I make $200,000 a week, a month, excuse me. Believe me, my pastor will find me. <laughs> Strike close to home, huh? <laughs> oh, praise God. Father, we just... Enter into your gates with thanksgiving tonight. We enter into your courts with praise. We love you. We worship you. We give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. For yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory. We love you. We submit our lives afresh and anew. Thank you for Brother Jerry's message this morning. Thank you for Brother David's message this afternoon and for all that's been accomplished and for an opportunity for me to minister as well this morning as well as tonight. Thank you, Father. I give you praise, I give you honor, and I give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for an anointing, a fresh anointing. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Building, we'll talk to you tonight about, about building a prayer tent or praying a tent prayer. Building a prayer tent or building or praying a tent prayer. I found this online. I thought you might be interested in it. And it's instructions on how to build a prayer tent. And uh, it says, here's what you need to build a prayer tent. You need four yards of cotton fabric, 
Upholstery weight is best, at least 54 inches wide. You need 20 half-inch finishing screws and a power drill. Then you need four one-and-a-half-inch wooden screws, four one-inch by two-inch by six-foot boards, one one-inch by two-inch times five-feet board, and you need someone to hold the structure as you're building it. <laughs> then you lay the two six-foot boards on top of each other, then measure down 10 inches and put one of the one and a half inch wood screws through both boards. And you repeat on the other two long boards and then spread them out to form an X on the top. Now have your friend hold on one end of the two boards while you hold the other. Place the one five foot board between the X and your boards. Now your prayer tent is finished. You can set it on the floor, it'll stand up by itself and using the finishing screws, attach the fabric to the six boards. I thought that's amazing. They teach you how to build a prayer tent, but they don't teach you how to pray. <laughs> it's like the nursery rhyme we heard when we were kids. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. I mean, how sad, you know. They called on all the king's horses, they called on all the king's men, but nobody called on the king. <laughs> Building a prayer tent or praying a tent prayer. I have some experience with tent prayers because I was raised under the life and ministry of my dad, Oral Roberts. Um, in my experience, there are many Christians who don't know how to pray because they've never been taught. Uh, they're in a church where prayer is not the central focus. And one of the things I love the most about Brother David's message today was when we started, when you started, we all, you, you led us in praying in tongues. We all began to pray in tongues. And did you notice the volume in the room just kept getting higher and higher and higher? as we all prayed in tongues today. Let's just all begin to pray in tongues right now. That was great this morning, this afternoon, David. We should do that every time. There's a migraine leading, leaving right now in Jesus' name. Stir up the Holy Spirit who is in you. Mashiti atanakasambra kasa. Kilamakasiandaka. Did you not know that my spirit is in you? That my spirit is moving through you. My power, my presence, my glory is flowing through your life. Shati anakasambra. And as we do this, as we do this, this, this power. This power source, this presence comes into our life. Many Christians today don't have uh, much of a prayer life. But my experience is much power, or much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. And I want power in my life. I grew up in a praying family. My bedroom was next to my parents. And when I was little, I thought Jesus lived in our house. 
because my parents talked to him like they were on a first name basis. And I thought Jesus lived at the other end of my house because of their prayer life. They prayed in tongues and they prayed with their understanding also. Praying in tongues is not enough. You've got to brad the nail on the other side and pray in your own language so God can give you ideas and insights and understanding and new and innovative ways of doing things. That's the value of praying in tongues. It's not a prayer tent that I want to build. It's a tent prayer so that I can really get my prayers through. Some people say, well, I don't know how to get my prayers through. Well, uh, uh, I understand that. The disciples didn't either. In fact, one day they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he said, pray after this fashion. In other words, you don't have to use these exact words, but pray after this model. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. I was praying for a man up in, in India this past week. He had a heart condition. He was a pastor. He had a heart condition. He had a blood pressure problem and shortness of breath. And I just prayed for him in the way that I know how to pray, the way that I was taught through my, through my dad uh, to pray. And when I finished praying, he said, I've never had anyone in my life pray over me like you prayed. I've never heard anyone say what you said. He said, how did you do that? I said, well, it just came out of my spirit. I said, it was a tent prayer. And I got word today from the lead pastors over there. This man had contacted them and said, the heart problem, the blood, blood pressure problem, all the shortness of breath is totally gone. Just got that word when I got back over by your house. Uh, Jerry will remember Bob DeWeese. Bob was my dad's associate evangelist for many years. In 1949, my dad conducted a crusade in Tacoma, Washington, Carolyn, where you just were. And uh, the chairman of his crusade was Reverend Bob DeWeese, who was a pastor of a local open Bible Pentecostal church. And my dad just fell in love with Bob DeWeese because he was an organizational genius. He had a powerful anointing on his life, had a great church, and my dad invited him after the services were over, after the crusade ended, he invited Bob to move to Tulsa and become his associate evangelist. And Bob began to pray. He and his wife, Charlotte, began to pray about it. And the Lord showed him that he could have an opportunity to win more souls to Christ as what he called being a second banana to Oral Roberts that he would ever have in Tacoma, Washington on his own. So he and his family had two sons, they all moved to Tulsa and he became my dad's associate evangelist. And he was the, he was the real genius in organizing my dad's crusades. And they had a, they had a way about them of, of getting people out uh, to, to, to come to the services. In order to get into the prayer line for Oral Roberts to lay hands on you, you had to have a prayer card. And the prayer cards were lettered. Prayer card letter A, there were, and then there were a number of cards with the letter A, then there were a number of cards with the letter B and letter C and on down through the, through the alphabet, depending upon how many people wanted prayer. And when, when the healing line time came after the message and after the, the altar call and after my dad went to the little tent where the invalids were who were too, too ill to stand in the prayer line, 
then Bob would get on the platform and he would announce all, all those with a, with a prayer card letter A. You come and form a line here and, uh, and then after then prayer card B and so on and so forth. And that's how they organized the prayer line. But the genius of it was the fact that in order to get a prayer card, you had to come to the afternoon service. And Bob was in charge of the afternoon service and was the preacher every afternoon. So Bob get, got to fulfill his own preaching ministry by having the afternoon services. And everyone wanted a prayer card. So it wasn't unusual for them to have 5,000 people in the afternoon service. And Bob's job was to prepare the people for the evening service when my dad would preach and, and, uh, and then have the healing line and pray for the sick. So that was one of the great geniuses. People said, well, how do you get 5,000 people out on an afternoon crowd? Well, you can't get in the prayer line unless you have a prayer card. And you can't get a prayer card unless you come to the afternoon service. So there was, there was a genius involved in it. And Bob was a powerful, powerful man of God. And all through his adult life, he, he would say to my dad, uh, uh, Oral, uh, I'm probably not going to live any longer than my dad lived. My dad lived to a certain age, and he said, I just, I just, in my heart, I just feel like I'm not going to live any longer than that. And uh, Bob, was a, Bob was not a big talker, but when he did talk, he listened. I remember uh, the pastors came to my dad one day, and, and they said to him, Oral Roberts, you have the gift of healing. And my dad always denied that. He always said, no, I don't have the gift of healing. I have the Holy Spirit, but I don't have the gift of healing. Oh, yes, you have the gift of healing. You lay hands on people and they get healed. And you have the gift of healing. And he would say, no, I don't have the gift of healing. And I remember Bob said to him one day, well, Oral, if you don't have the gift of healing, what you have will do until the gift of healing comes. <laughs> but when Bob talked, you listened because he made a lot of sense. And I remember uh, in the mid to late 1980s after uh, Bob had served as our chairman of our board for a number of years and after he had, was, was, uh, was retired from full-time ministry, Bob was older than my dad. I remember that Bob had a massive heart attack and was hospitalized. And my dad went up to pray for him. And when he came into the room, his wife Charlotte and their children and grandchildren were all there, the doctors and the nurses, they're all filling the room. And uh, Bob was in bad shape. And my dad went over to the bed and laid hands on him and prayed and then left. And when he got down the hallway uh, near the elevator, he felt a, a tug on his coat. And someone grabbed his coat and whirled him around. And it was Bob's granddaughter, Cindy. And Cindy said to him, Oral Roberts, you did not pray a tent prayer over my granddaddy. Go back in there and pray a tent prayer over him. Well, my dad knew what she meant. She wanted that devil-busting, faith-releasing, commanding type of prayer. She didn't want this mamby-pamby stuff. And she said, go back in there. And she just commanded him, Oral Roberts, go back in there and pray a tent prayer over my granddaddy. You didn't do it. Go back in there. And my dad smiled and went back into the room. And I remember he stood at the, foot of the, at the head of the bed and said, Bob... All of the time that I've known you, you've said you thought you would not outlive your, your dad. And Bob said, that's right. Bob was able to talk. And my dad said to him, how long did your mother live? Well, she lived seven years longer than my dad. And he said, whose genes are you going to choose? Are you going to choose your dad's genes or are you going to choose your mom's genes? And Bob looked up and smiled and said, I think I'll choose my mom's genes. And my dad cut loose and prayed a tent prayer 
and Bob recovered and lived another seven years before he went home to be with the Lord. What's a tent prayer? Well, let me tell you what a tent prayer is not. A tent prayer is not, Lord, if it be your will. <laughs> That's not a tent prayer. <laughs> How many have had tent prayers or a, a non-tent prayers in your life? How many have had people pray for you? Wish you wish they had never prayed. <laughs> you wish they'd just get out of your house. <laughs> a tent prayer is you foul, tormenting sickness. I adjure you by the name of Jesus. Christ of Nazareth, come out! Take your hands off of God's property. Now that's a tent prayer. That's the kind of prayer that you can feel that goes all the way through. It shoots all the way through your whole life. That's the kind of prayer that I was raised under. A tent prayer. I remember a few years ago I was preaching up in New York City for Creflo Dollar and he has rented a, or leased I guess, a beautiful old theater in the Bronx. It seats about 3,500 people. It's a massive theater with a huge balcony. It wraps around the stage, and it's the old style. They don't build theaters like that anymore. I don't remember what the name of what it used to be uh, years ago. But it was built back in the, uh, at the turn of the last century. And anyway, it's a fabulous old theater, and that's where, that's where his, his uh, church is in New York City. He has his main church is in Atlanta, but he has several churches in his ministry, but one of them is in, is in the Bronx in New York City. And there were about 3,000 people there, and uh, Creflo had asked me to have a healing service. And I was just about to get started, and I was beginning to pray a tent prayer over the people as they were standing uh, for different types of ailments and sicknesses that had struck them. When all of a sudden, I looked up and I saw a company of angels come right through the wall on my left side. And they were in the air. They weren't walking, they were flying. And they had baskets over their arm, draped down like this, and they had cloths. I remember them, white cloths. And I could see that on the cloths were written the word miracles. And they were taking the cloths out of the baskets and they were dropping them on the heads of the people. And I began to explain what I saw. I blinked my eyes to see if I was seeing things, but I saw them. And as I explained it, uh, Creflo's wife, Taffy, stood up and said, I see the same thing. So that was a confirmation to me. And people began to come forward and give testimonies of healings as the Lord manifested the word of knowledge and, and gave me the utterance to say it. And people came forward and gave testimonies of healings. Uh, I believe in tent prayers. I'm not interested in building prayer tents. I want a tent prayer. People are crying, dying, Sion, and they want somebody to touch them. They want someone who has the power of God. They don't want a Lord, if it be your will, type prayer. They want someone who will take authority over sickness and disease. They want someone who will pray like Jesus prayed when he was on this earth. Like Peter and John who said, such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. They want men and women who, when, they, when their shadow passes by, they get healed. With all the great doctors that we have and all the great medical institutions and all the great medicines and discoveries that are happening now and all the diagnostic equipment, people seem to be sicker than they've ever been. If ever there was a time for healing, it's now. 
And Brother Kenneth Hagin used to say that healing is the dinner bell. That's right. That when you ring the dinner bell, that's when people come to God. And I was just, I didn't share the testimony this morning, and maybe you've heard me share it before, but I'll share it just briefly now. Uh, we were in uh, Jos, Nigeria, and there was a young man who had been carried to the service. He was about 20. He was a Muslim. His name was Abdul, and Abdul had never walked. His parents carried him each day to the post office where he would sit in the dirt and beg for money. And he got around by taking Coca-Cola cans and smoothing them, cutting them in half, and putting them on his hands, on his fists, and he would pull himself along the ground with the Coca-Cola cans. Everyone in town knew him as the beggar of Jos. Jos was a Muslim city up in the north. And the night before, I had been interviewed uh, on television by, the, by three Muslim clerics, which is something that I've never done before nor since. And uh, I asked the Lord, what should I say when they asked me questions? And he said, don't answer their questions. Just tell them about me and tell them about the miracles that you've seen. Because you don't need to get into an argument with a bunch of Muslim clerics. So I, I didn't answer their questions. I just, every time they ask a question, I just turned it around and told them a testimony of somebody I'd seen healed. And so we got to the crusade. The first night, there were about 15,000, 20,000 people. And the second night, the crowd doubled, maybe 30,000, because we had miracles. But on the second night, God gave me a word of knowledge about someone who was crippled and unable to walk. I had no idea who it was, and most of the time when I get a word of knowledge, I don't know who it is. Unless I'm just standing right next to that person, I oftentimes don't know who it is. And I gave this word of knowledge, and then I went on and prayed for others. And, and after a while, uh, there was a young man who came through the crowd. The crowd just sort of parted, and he walked through. There were no aisles. Everybody was standing outside. Uh, he walked through the crowd, and as he got near the platform, the people began to jump and dance and rejoice. And he came up on the platform, and he began to run and jump. And then he would squat down and jump back up again, and the crowd was just going wild. And I said to my interpreter, what's going on here? And he told me the story I just told you. Then I began to jump and shout, uh, <laughs> praise God. Uh, Abdul had never walked in his life. He'd never taken one step. And he was in the back of the crowd. His, someone had carried him to the service, and he got healed when I gave that word of knowledge. And he came forward and gave gave his testimony and the media was there and they interviewed him and the next day uh, on the front page of the newspaper he had the main story beggar of Jos healed and the next night a hundred thousand people came to hear me preach and that night when I gave the altar call 25,000 Muslims gave their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ it was a cause of the miracle it wasn't because of me it wasn't because of what I preached it was because they saw the miracle. Because when you see a miracle, it will do something to you. A miracle is something that's supernatural. A miracle is something you cannot explain away. And uh, when you are in the healing ministry, you're going to be criticized. You're going to be ostracized. You're going to have people stand against you. They're going to say scurrilous things about you that aren't true. It goes with the territory. One of the reasons why I didn't want to be a Christian is because I did not want to be hit like I had seen my father hit when I was a boy because they did everything imaginable to him and I had to grow up in that atmosphere and I had to go to school in that atmosphere uh, with the teachers and the students making fun and laughing and joking and, and, and mocking. I, I, had to, I, had, I grew up in all of that 
And I didn't want that in my life. I, I, I wanted my own dream in my own life. I wanted to be a nightclub entertainer. I was gifted to sing, and I was already singing in clubs, and I wasn't, I wasn't interested in Christianity, you know. I've often told the people, I told my dad, get the hell out of my life. You know, I was a teenager, and my dad said, well, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get the hell out of your life. <laughs> Sounds funny now. It wasn't funny then. Uh, but I didn't want... I didn't want the life that I have now, but I knew that I was called to it. And when you know that you're called, you come to a place where you have to make a decision. And uh, I'm thankful that I made that decision. And I was thinking about that this afternoon as I was in my room because you've been talking about your 50th anniversary. Well, 50 years ago, last month, I gave my heart to Christ. Fifty years ago this month, I joined my dad in the healing ministry. And 50 years ago next month, I went on television with him. And I've been on television for 50 years. I've, I think I've done some, I counted them up once, I think I've done some 16,000 television programs in my life. And uh, uh, I, I've, I, I've, been, I've been through all of that. And, and I'm grateful now. In those days, you know, when I was back in, as a teenager, I, I wasn't interested, as I said. But, but then God got hold of my life. And the thing, the thing that hurts me the most about ministers is that many of them do not pray for the sick. But Jesus said we are to teach, preach, and bring his healing power to people in need. People are desperate for miracles. And they want someone who will pray for them. I said it this morning, I want to say it again. Imagine what would happen in every one of your churches this Sunday or the next time you are at home, if at the end of your message you say, is any sick among you? And call for the elders of the church, bring some anointing oil, and say, come forward, let us lay our hands on you and pray the prayer of faith. For the prayer of faith shall save the sick person and the Lord will raise you up. I think one of the main reasons why ministers don't pray for the sick is because they're afraid they'll fail. Mm -hmm. But when you know that you're not the healer, that God is the one who heals, it takes the pressure off of you. Your job is not to heal. Your job is to pray and to believe God and to encourage them. So uh, I, am, I am deeply immersed in the healing ministry. Before my dad died, uh, he and I uh, were together for, for, for a few days. And he put his hand on my leg and said, son. And when he, whenever my dad said, son, I knew he was going to prophesy. He always called me Richard or he called me Rich. Uh, but when he, put his, when he would say son, I knew I was going to get a prophetic word. Because the last few years of his life, he prophesied far more than in his early life. In fact, my mother would say, you better get out of here. Your dad's prophesying over everything that's moving. <laughs> and he said, he said, son, when I go home to be with the Lord, you're going to have a double portion of my spirit. You already have a healing anointing. You already have a part of that double portion, but you'll have the full double portion when I'm gone. And he said, you're going to have happened to you what has happened to me all these years. Uh, and I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know how the power of God flows down my right arm and into my hand and shoots out my fingers. And I said, yes, I've, I've experienced that because whenever you lay your hands on me or on somebody else, it feels like you put your finger in an electric light socket. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, he, he was called before several judges over the years to swear under oath that he did not have some type of device up his sleeve 
when he prayed for people. I remember when that happened in Miami. Uh, and he, he said, you're going to have the same kind of power, except it's not going to shoot down your right arm. It's going to shoot down your left arm. And I thought, well, that was curious. You know, why my left arm? And I, saw, I said, Dad, why my left and your right? He says, very simple. I'm right-handed. You're left-handed. <laughs> you know? And he said, I notice when you pray for people, you use your left hand far more than you use your right. And you notice when I pray for people, I use my right hand far more than I use my left. Isn't God smart? Yes. You know? And he said, you're going to have that come on your life after I'm gone. And so uh, several months after he passed, I was up in, in Canada. I was in, uh, I was in Edmonton. And there was a crowd of about 13 or 1,400 people that night that I was to preach to and then have a healing service. And as I was in the room studying before I went, all of a sudden I felt this presence come into my left shoulder. And uh, at first I, I didn't know what it was. It was just a warmth. But all of a sudden that presence began to flow down my left arm and it came down into my hand and it got hot and I looked at my hand as if it had turned red but it was not, there was no change of color. And I felt this power shooting out of my fingers and I remembered what my dad had said. Several months had passed, you see, but now it happened and that night, that night as I began to pray for people, uh, something amazing began to happen. As I, as I laid hands on people, I felt this power, this presence that came down my arm and over these years since that, he's been gone now from this earth for almost 10 years. Uh, uh, ever since then, I know when it's time to pray for the sick because I'll get that feeling. And I'll preach until I feel that feeling. And then I'll know that it's time to quit. Now, it's easy for someone to say, well, you have a special calling. But I think it, uh, either, either Jerry or Brother David said today that he said, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I don't, I don't see my name in that scripture. says they who believe people are so desperate to be prayed for they're so hungry to be touched because the world isn't touching them and in many of their churches no one's praying for them in many of their churches they're getting three points and a poem and a handshake and that's it but people want the power and the presence and the glory of God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. They want angelic visitations. They want to know about the supernatural. And if ever there was a country that needed the supernatural, it's here in America. Amen. In the climate, especially the political climate that we're in right now. We all saw what happened this week on Tuesday. If ever there was a time when we needed the miraculous, it's now. Well, how does that how does that happen? It happens through us. It happens through us if we will be willing to launch out. Now, is everyone you pray for going to get healed? Probably not. Uh, my dad probably had far more failures than he had successes. But he had enough successes. I probably had far more failures than I've had successes. But I've had enough successes that I know that I know. And my job is not to try to figure it out. My job is not to try to analyze. My job is to pray. And to pray a tent prayer. Only one time that I remember in my entire life 
have my prayers been turned down? I was asked to pray for the chief of the Cherokee Nation. And when I got to her, she refused my prayers. But that's the only time in my life. Because there is a vacuum in everyone's life that can only be filled by prayer. Whether they're a Christian or not, they don't turn down prayer. I've never been turned down by a Muslim. I've never been turned down by a Hindu. I've never been turned down by a Sikh. I've never been turned down by an atheist. I've never been turned down for prayer by anyone except one person in my whole ministry. Because people want prayer. And when they get sick, their mind goes to God. And they want a connection. And you and I are to be the faith connection. Let that sink into you tonight. And if you're not praying for the sick every Sunday, then you ought to be. You see people in your congregations, they look good, they're dressed well, but you don't know what's going on on the inside. That's right. And that compassion, that irresistible urge to remove the problem, that's what compassion is. Compassion is not sympathy. Compassion is not, I'm so sorry, I wish there was something I could do. No, that's, that's, that's sympathy. Sympathy will not ever get the job done, but the compassion, that, that desire to remove the problem, that's what should rise up in each one of us so that when we pray, we're not building a prayer tent, we're praying a tent prayer. And we have the authority and we have the right and we have the calling to take the name of Jesus, which is above every name named in heaven and earth, and use that name. Jesus gave us that right on the last night of his earthly life. He said in John 16, 24, before now have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. He gave us the power of attorney to use his name. So the pressure is off of us. Our job is not to heal. Our job is to pray and to believe God and never to say to someone, well, you must not have had any faith because that's a lie. You're contradicting God who said, I have given every man the measure of faith. What you must say is, now I'm setting my faith with you. I'm not coming out of this prayer of agreement until the miracle is manifested. That's what you say. And when you realize you're not the healer, you're the one doing the praying. (laughs) You're in sales, you're not in management. When you realize that, then the pressure is off of you, feeling like you have to perform some type of miracle. Your job is to pray and to believe. Now, sometimes healings come instantaneously. Sometimes they come over a period of time. Uh, Dr. Don Colbert is a a very well-known doctor Uh, here in the United States. He has offices in Florida as well as here in Texas. And he recently told me that in his experience, all his life of traveling in ministry, he said about 16% of miracles are instantaneous. All the rest come over a period of time. And doctors keep meticulous records. 
You know, when you go to see a doctor, they pull out the chart and they can tell you everything that happened the last three or four visits. Well, he said 16% of all the miracles that I've seen have been instantaneous and the rest have come over a period of time. That means there is like a gestation period. There's a time between the time that you pray and you release your faith until a miracle comes. And that's the time when you hold on to your faith and you don't let go. For faith is what you hold on to until you receive what you're believing for. So tonight, I want to focus in on healing and healing with you. But more than that, I want you to focus in on healing. That's why I want you to put your Bibles up in your, your devices and, and I want you to stand and I want you to turn towards somebody and, and I want you to begin to, begin to uh, prepare yourself to pray over them. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you when you get back home into your church. I want to challenge you to remember that you have people in your congregation who have sickness and disease and need the prayer of faith. So if you would, just begin to lay hands on someone and begin to pray over them, remembering that James 5 says, Pray ye one for another that ye may be healed. Just begin, just begin, lay hands on them and begin to pray. And when you pray, don't pray some mamby-pamby prayer. Take authority in the name of Jesus. You may not know exactly what it is. You may know what it is. Take authority over it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against this satanic attack of the devil. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. You take your hands off of God's property. I rebuke you. Satan, let go. I speak directly to sickness and disease. I command it in the name of Jesus. Come out. Come out of the head. Come out of the neck. Come out of the blood. Come out of the lungs. Come out of the heart. Come out of the vital organs. Come out of the skin. Come out of the bone. Come out of the breast. Come out. Every anemic condition dissolve in Jesus' name. Every arthritic pain come out. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Every back pain go. Every pain in the shoulder, come out in Jesus' name. Every stiffness, every swelling, inability to climb steps, come out in Jesus' name. Feet and toes and knees and hips and sciatica problems, be healed in the name of Jesus. Let that holy boldness come over you as you pray. You got nothing to lose and you have everything to gain. In the name of Jesus. Mi sombra kasia tsandi ashta. Kela mosondi kabra kasati kishti andakasa. Kola mashi andakasambra. You may know what the situation is, you may not. That doesn't mean you can't pray. That doesn't mean you can't pray with authority. 
I'm telling you, that compassion will flow up in you. People will respond and they'll begin to hear there's a church that will take hold of this thing that's attacked me and come against it in the name of Jesus. And miracles and signs and wonders will begin to happen. Now turn and find somebody else. 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 Sheila Masundi Atanakasambra. Yishtanakasidi Atanakasambra. Koli Atanakasabra Kasayatsanda Kashtianda Kasar. Kolosupra. Ibra Isasti Atanakasundi Ashtambra Kasar. Hallelujah. Backs being healed right now. Word of knowledge for backs. Pain in the back, leaving someone now. The Lord told me what I said would happen. If I said it, it would happen. And so I'm saying it. There are backs that are being healed right now. Shoulder pain, leaving someone now. Intestinal backup, being healed now. Pancreas, being healed right now. Blood sugar level, regulating. Blood pressure, regulating. Blood coagulating properly. No more hemophilia. Cancer. Cancer, go. Every cancer, cancer in the brain, cancer in the breast, cancer in the bone, cancer in the skin, cancer in the vital organs, come out in the name of Jesus. Every trace of it, come out. Red cells, white cells, line up. Outlaw cells, be gone in the name of Jesus. We take authority over you. Stomach condition, bowels, colon, intestines, liver, pancreas, gallbladder, reproductive organs. Be healed in the name of Jesus. I send the word to you tonight. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's healing all over this room tonight. There's healing all over this room. Pain is leaving. Not going to have to manage it anymore. Pain's leaving. Glory is here. Angels are here. They're passing out the miracles. There's an anointing here tonight for miracles, for healing. But not just here, but when you get home. Now just begin to lift your hands and give Him thanks and give Him praise. Give Him honor, give Him glory. Thank Him for healing. 
that is in process. Thank you, Lord, for healing that is in process. We receive it by faith. We declare we are the healed of the Lord. From the crown of our heads even unto the soles of our feet. Not in our name, but in the name of Jesus, whose name is above every name named in heaven and earth. We praise you, Father. Worship you. Now, who can tell tonight? Right now, as we've been praying, someone laid hands on you, and as I prayed, who can tell there's healing happening in your body right now? Just wave your hand at me. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Look at the hands. Look all over. Look, look, look around. Look at the hands. You see, it doesn't require anything special. And I think that's one reason ministers don't pray for people as often because they think they have to do something special. All we did was just pray. It is so simple that we sometimes trip over it. If we'll just pray. He said it. You lay hands on the sick and they'll begin to recover. May happen instantaneously, may come over a period of time. But our responsibility is to pray. His responsibility is to, is to heal. I'm not interested in building a prayer tent. I want to pray a tent prayer. I want to pray the type of prayer that's a devil-busting prayer. A faith-building prayer. A disease-kicking prayer. I want to pray with authority. I don't care what anybody thinks. I, I've, I've come too far. It doesn't matter to me what, what they say anymore. My dad used to say to me, son, they preached my funeral all my life. No one will have, no one will have to preach my funeral when I die because people have preached it all my life. But I said, look what you've accomplished. My father probably, more than likely, laid hands on more people than anyone in history. It's estimated conservatively that he laid hands on more than two million people individually. And, and Pastor Earl, I was thinking about you today. Uh, I remember 1957. I was nine years old, almost ten, I guess. And my dad came to Trenton, New Jersey, your your state. And it was a hundred degrees that August. And in the tent, it must have been 120. And you couldn't you couldn't get near the tent. There were so many people. The tent seated 12,000 in folding chairs, and there were, they were all filled, and people were standing probably 10 to 15 deep all around the tent. There must have been 20,000 plus there. And on the last day, his custom was, if you had a prayer card and you had not yet been prayed for, he would lay hands on everyone in the closing service. didn't matter how many it was. And there were 9,000 that still had a prayer card. And I remember I walked with him. They had put string from tent pole to tent pole. And Brother DeWeese would call out the prayer card numbers and say, go and stand under this string after they had already removed the chairs because they had a very unique way of doing that too. He would have everybody, Brother DeWeese would have everybody stand and say, pick up your chair and walk to the edge of the tent and hand it to our crusade workers. So everybody grabbed a chair and, and within five minutes, the tent was empty of chairs. 
And then they, he would call the numbers of, on the prayer cards and people would line up under the string from tent pole to tent pole. And there were 9,000. And I walked the prayer line with him, carried his coat. It took him three and a half hours to lay hands on 9,000 people. And I remember when he was finished, he couldn't stand up. He was so exhausted. And it took four men to pick him up physically, carry him to the car. And we drove over to Greenwich, Connecticut, where one of our partners, large donors, uh, lived and went into their home. And uh, they put him to bed for two days. He couldn't get out of bed because of what he'd been through. He paid the price and was willing to pay the price. I'm willing to pay the price. How about you? I'm willing to do what it takes to get the job done. And that's, that's, that's what I'm doing now. As I told you this morning, the, my crusade days have come to an end. They're for younger men. That's for younger men now. But I want to minister to pastors and leaders all over the world, and that's what I'm doing. I'm teach them how to pray for the sick and how to see results, how to pray in tongues, how to interpret back to get direction, understanding, guidance, leadership, and how to plant a seed and believe that when you sow it, God will use it and multiply it back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's give praise to the Lord tonight. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Justin. Come on, give a shout unto the Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Father. Justin, in the name of Jesus, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit comes on you right now to preach and teach and take this ministry forward like never before in the name of Jesus. I, I just, I feel I was supposed to lay hands on you tonight and I'm so glad you walked up here. I knew I was supposed to do it. I just didn't know when. Thank you, Father, for a fresh touch of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life and ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Receive it. be a minute. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> I remember one night my dad, I was standing next to him. He was praying for the sick. One, one man came through, and, and, and my dad detected demons and had to cast them out. And the next person, he detected demons and had to cast them out. And then a third person came through, and he, he turned and said, that's amazing. You have two or three, three demon-possessed people in a row. And the last one, he said, this, this was just, and they said, well, this is a pastor. This last one is a pastor. And my dad said, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know he was a pastor. He said, it's all right. He's the meanest pastor in town. <laughs> oh. 
Sometimes my dad would turn over to me and say, son, I'm sicker than the ones I'm praying for. I can remember times when he would lay hands on somebody and turn and vomit himself, you know, on the floor and keep praying for people. That's that never quit, never give up attitude because the compassion of God is flowing. Now, I want that in my life. How about you? I want that. I want that. I want that. I, want, I can't go in a shopping mall and see somebody that's ill without finding a way to run over and I'll bump into them on purpose. They're in a wheelchair, I'll, I'll, I'll walk by. Oh, excuse me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, you know. <laughs> they don't know I'm praying for them, you know. Just compassion. Anytime you want to talk now. <laughs> so as you enjoy this evening, amen. Hallelujah. Don't stand next to me. <laughs> Well, we have pie. <laughs> and Sunday, and Sunday, Dr. Savell, and uh, well, we, did, we went to two services a few weeks ago, and um, Richard Roberts is going to do the 9 o'clock service. I am? It, yeah. Okay. Is Richard, that, that's what I was told, right? Yeah. Okay. You're, you're, you're doing the 9 o'clock service? All right, if you say so. Okay. I'll do it. And then uh, Dr. Savelle will be doing the 11 o'clock service, and he's going to be releasing uh, what the God's place in his heart for 2019 and the word for 2019. And, um, yeah, and it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. It's already good. It's really good. Getting good again. It's really good, really good. Woo, yeah, it's really good. So, 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 so Sunday at nine and when? at nine on Sunday. At nine on Sunday. At nine on Sunday. You already said that. Yes. And you want to say it a third time? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I don't know. Yeah. I can't read what you wrote down anyway. <laughs> yeah. Eight forty-five pre-service prayer tomorrow. Yeah. Let's go have pie. <laughs> Well, is it 845 or is it 10? Which one is it? Well, no, that, that's tomorrow. Is well, that's tomorrow. Pre-service prayer at Is there another service tonight? Uh, no, no. No, no, no. There's pie. 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 <laughs> pie. My, oh my, do I like pie. <sighs> yeah. You got something? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all on you right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> the pie. The pie. <laughs> anyway, see you next door. <laughs> <laughs>